Hi, I'm Michael Etchens from In Excess. Thank you very much for coming backstage with Access All Areas, okay? Hope you have a good time. Welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is B, and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums, and oh, so much more. Well, hello, welcome to Inexos Access All Areas, episode ninety-five. The podcast, B. That designs to go deep into the canon of all things in excess, help get them into the Rock Hall of Fame, uh, and engage with our fan community in what is Music Week, B. We are into a five in five, aren't we? I reckon this one's what you need, don't you? Well, it is. Some people say it's what they <laughs> need, what you need. But uh, this is our third little nugget. Uh, I believe the the One Thing episode has just gone out today, B. Exactly in 30 minutes, as we predicted. How clever are we? <laughs> Well, I was saying to people where you can listen to us on the way to work or on the way home or in your lunch break, as you said, or in the bath, which we know a few people like to do. Well, okay. We are getting particular now, but uh, I was just thinking having a a lunch and a sandwich or a drive to the office and uh, wherever you enjoy uh, the chance to reminisce about all things great about the band. But uh, you're right. We are doing What You Need song. Uh, which is the third of five tracks that we're doing five in five days. And uh, I guess the criteria B was pivotal songs that had some sort of uh, meaningful uh, impact on the band's legacy. Now, it's probably arguable that Burn For You is behind songs like Original Sin and Send a Message and the Pecking mm-hmm. Order off the Swing, but we've already done a deep dive into Original Sin and I wanted to give Burn For You its uh, just desserts. Yes. Because it still obviously has some iconic status. The one thing, though, we enjoyed doing that and we played that six-minute version off Decadent at the end there, B. so some fans probably haven't actually heard that extended version. No, and I hadn't heard it all through either, so thank you. It was nice to actually listen to that again. Correct. So uh, today we're talking about what you need. And uh, as we try and do with this is give a quick little backdrop before we go in and review the song. I guess this particular song was the lead track uh, in Australia, at least, off the Listen Like Thieves album and came out in, I think, around September 85. However, it wasn't the lead track off the US release or in the UK. It actually was the second single. This time did go out first in the US and it did stiff and it only went to 81 in the charts. So uh, when What You Need came out as the second single, it probably had some success also off what Australia did because uh, this one, I think, debuted and hit number two in Australia off the bat. Mm-hmm. And back in the mid-80s, B, uh, it was a big thing around that time, as you may remember, for dance remixes to accompany the vinyl 7-inch single to accompany with a 12-inch uh, single uh, coming out. Ooh, and yeah. uh, Australia was, I think, in excess... Remember at the time we criticised for not bringing the 12-inch single out quick enough. That hurt its ability to hit number one. That was sort of something that went around the traps at the time. But uh, all that aside, this was uh, three minutes and 35 seconds of uh, new post The Swing in Excess, which 
a lot of fans at that time were very, very eager to hear what they were going to back up the uh, the swing album with. It's funny, I thought, what else was out there? Because this sounded so new and so exciting when it came out. I was looking at the UK charts. I don't know about the Australian charts, but the UK mm. charts were predominantly Madonna was up at one and two with Into the Groove and Holiday. And then you had people like um, UB40 um, and <laughs> Tina Turner and Dire Straits. I mean, Dire Straits, it always sounds like boring, doesn't it? <laughs> and then Billy Idol was up there with um, White Wedding. That was pretty mm. cool. And Kate Bush, you know. So, Kat, you know, it's Katie, quite. Katie, Katie from the UK's favourite, <laughs> Kate Bush. <laughs> yeah. So it was, um, it was very refreshing. <laughs> Well, this particular track we are very enthusiastic to share today charted, as I said, number two in Australia, uh, hit number five in America. This was the, uh, I guess, the groundbreaking song for them and a real game changer, which is a bit of a cliche, but it was. Only hit 51 in the UK. Uh, We all know that NXS probably didn't take off in the UK on a meaningful level till kick. Hit number 14 in New Zealand and number 21 in Canada. So the video B that uh, both of us enjoyed over the years used a very groundbreaking technique called rotoscope that uh, was this sort of imagery of uh, slicing, cutting up uh, mountains of Kodak photos and putting them into some sort of like almost no, um, animation. Uh, and it was put together by a lady called Lynn Milburn and Richard Lowenstein, uh, which uh, went on to be very successful. I think the video was nominated for Best Group Video at the MTV Awards in 1986. Uh, I think it won the uh, Samari Awards and Countdown Music Awards and Logie Awards and things. I think to this particular day, it's still my favourite video. It's a bit similar the same year to AHA, you know, with that animation there yeah. and, you know, the, the, mm. the, 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 the mixing of the live sort of uh, motion with the animation there. So yeah, yeah. it had a bit of a parallel there. There's a parallel, but um, HaHa was more of a story, wasn't it, with it, how yeah. she pulled him into the comic yeah. book and stuff. Yeah. Sorry, but that was pretty cool. We'll have another debate on that one. Um, <laughs> episode 96 coming up. <laughs> uh, uh, look, a time-honored anecdote about this particular song was that Chris Thomas, who had uh, taken over uh, production duties on the album, had felt like the Listen Like Thieves album was one song short or one hit short. And I think Andrew had this sort of little uh, sort of cassette with a riff on it called Funk Song Number 9 or Funk Song. And Chris Thomas had said to the band, look, I just think we're one big song short off the album. And they effectively went away, him and uh, Andrew and Michael, and, and came up with some lyrics and then rehearsed it and then recorded it and then sort of, you know, put it, I guess, onto the album within about 48 hours. And uh, I, I guess it's quite legendary in the sense that, and this is an, an example where a producer uh, it's a little bit like a dad or a father figure who has to sort of tell the band what what the kids need. And they listen and learn. And, and ultimately, uh, as we said at the outset, a pivotal game-changing song took them into the top five in America, which for a local Aussie band at that particular time was just unheard of to be able to break through the charts there. And interestingly, at the same time, I think for Michael, he was recording Dogs in Space, which uh, for those who know was all about sort of the punk scene in 1979. And he was really in character and he was living in sort of dilapidated houses in Richmond, Victoria. And he found out through, you know, a phone call because there was no internet in those days that they were top five in America. And he said it was a very surreal experience. Yeah. Because here he is playing sort of this punk uh, character Uh in the uh, 70s whilst, you know, the modern day 
pop charts or you know music charts were recognizing them uh, for their in excess work. So yeah. it was an interesting time uh, for the band to go through that. And having said that, Richard Lowen's uh, Steena Lowenstein, who actually was making the same movie, Dogs in Space. We do know, coincidentally, through a little bit of Destiny B, it's his birthday today, Mark. It 1st. is. It is. Happy, so happy birthday to Richard. Happy who, birthday to Richard. Who turns a young 63 today. So yeah, how does he? He looks good for his age, though, doesn't he? He does. The yeah. day we're celebrating the video and the, the song per se is uh, on Richard's birthday. So uh, big shout out to you, Richard, mm-hmm. uh, as well. Um I guess, B, over to you. This was the album and the time that uh, you got a chance to see In Excess in Birmingham. Oh, my in, God. In uh, about yes. 86. Is that right? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I was very know, lucky, wasn't I? Do you know so that, lucky. You, that you saw In Excess live before I saw them? I know, mate. That's pretty cool. I wasn't 10 either. I was no, at well, a good age. You, you were 28, but that's fine. <laughs> You cheeky sod. <laughs> yeah, no, it was um, it was an eye opener. Definitely watching yes. Michael um, cavorting on stage at my age. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is uh, a great song, uh, a pivotal song in the canon. Uh, one that I think still sounds fresh and vital. But we're going to probably break the song down in a mm-hmm. moment, B, and and play it to each other and just sort of reminisce and what we think are the hooky sort of parts in it, and uh, really enjoy what is what you need. All right, B, well, it's sort of 27 seconds there. Definitely comes out of the blocks. Um, it does a little thing that's a bit different to the actual album version where it starts off in the video with that, what, 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 what? It's almost like a rap version to start the song up when the video comes on. It's a bit scratchy, uh, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, what, what, what? It's like, it's like a, a vinyl record being put on, on sort of DJ repeat. But yeah, it really sort of uh, starts off, it's almost like a, I feel like there's a guitar and an amplifier in a room. You know, the big pulsating bass line by Gary, I think is one of the things that sort of really jumps out of there with uh, John's drumming. It's got mm. that deep bass and, and It's a drum big sound. hum. Yeah, it's yeah. deep hum. Mm. Yeah, almost like a hook, you know, like it talk about uh, hooking you in from the start. I think it definitely has that. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, and it goes that near 30 second mark before we hear from Michael. And I guess as he's about to sort of uh, sing now, he, he really starts off with a really cool sort of falsetto vocal, which we'll now put on. Well, I think from a girl's point of view, hang on a minute, mister. <laughs> <laughs> Go. <laughs> Starting without me, are you? <laughs> no, go. When he goes, woo! I love that bit. <laughs> I've always thought it might be John more than Michael that does that. I don't know why I think it's John. Well, during the clip, I always think, I don't know if it's John or Michael. They've got similar hairstyles in this clip because it's all in mm, shadows and things. Yeah. But uh, anyway, should we hear from Michael? Yeah. 
All right, so that little 30-second block, we hear Michael and we hear his falsetto vocal at the start. Um, uh, there's a crunching, absolutely, John smashing the bejesus out of the drums on this song. And in the video, they flash to the band, you know, with those crunching riffs all playing together and, you know, that beautiful photography where the band come on almost animated together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, and then they hit the chorus there, uh, that is hook central. I think that still doesn't wear thin on me, B. Uh, what was your take on that little 30 seconds? Yeah, mine's completely different. Well, not completely different, but I hear the sax. It's like the sax is played through, throughout all of this um, song, mm. and it's quite prominent to me that, that Kirk's on the on the sax all the time. So you see that Andrew is playing guitar mostly in this video. It's uh, uh-huh. an interesting thing that I, I noted. Yeah, I love that when all the, the bands are all in a row yeah. and they're all, all on there. It's just really... It sort of really- illuminates with that golden sort of backdrop, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful, beautiful. Hey, here's a story. All right. First little block there, we do get a bit of a 10 second version of Kirk sort of driving that next sort of uh segue into the song. It's like the verse starts off with a bit of a Kirk solo, which is uh a little bit rare. We, we've probably heard a bit of that on Shabu Shabar, but uh, the lyric from Michael, Don't you be sad and lonely, need a change from what you do all day, pick it up, <laughs> yeah, throw it into the shade, you know, like yeah. it, it's really an upbeat, positive sort of song yeah. with a positive message, I think. And I, mm. I think it's you know, forget about your problems in your life. It's 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 literally uh, about a happier place and 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 having a good time and not being caught up in life's uh, you know milieu of, of pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sense and the music and you know the lyrics seem to sort of you know take us on that little bit of a positivity plane, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Um, going back to Kirk. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was that guy back in the 80s with the longer hair who used to Kenny play? Kenny G. Oh, my God. So there was him and then, I'm sorry, um, Laurie, and then there was the guys out of Madness playing the saxophone. Mm. And, you know, they were a bit of fun. And then what's his name again? What's it, G? Kenny G. Kenny G. <laughs> I mean, that was just bleh. Well, there's, and then there's, you've there's got sort of, Kirk. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know, well, was, with the, into yeah. this song, it's bloody brilliant. Well, there was cheesy sort of yacht rock saxophone, but it was sort of cool. Uh, uh, well, certain, certainly, once I cool, it was uh, yacht rock uh, saxophone was sort of uh, humorous and catchy. Kenny yeah. G was just cheesy and, and twee. Yeah. Uh, but Kirk, you know, was, was and a Kirk rock and, and Billy is just rock and roll. Yeah, no, he's yeah. awesome, awesome, I, awesome. I think in this little bit, though, it's a really interesting musical where this is a real complete song for the band where every instrument's given its time to shine. We've had thumping drums. We've had really pulsating bass. We've had a lead sort of vocal almost uh, in, in Michael, which is great. We've had this uh, saxophone part from Kirk that comes in. Uh, and then it's all underpinned by uh, by uh, Tim and Andrew on guitar mm-hmm. uh, as well, which we'll hear a little bit more in a moment. But what you said as well, though, it's such a lift. I challenge anybody, if you're feeling a bit down and, and depressed, this is the song that you should put on and it will really give you a lift. And yeah. like you say, the lyrics lift you, never mind the music. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, babe. Now we've just cut short at one fifty-six. There just before. You cut it off. I know. We, we got to save the Timmy bit for next. But uh, um, what was quite interesting to note this is the band in the early two thousands. John Stevens played around with this live version, and they used. I mean, this middle part of the song is almost a bit of a like a rap or a little bit of a you know, give me watching here, give me watching. You know, it's it's very much a a streety sort of rapped part to the middle of the song without being sort of, you know, uh, a rap song. But it does give a certain sort of urgency. They, as I said, when I played it live, have sort of, you know, done a spoken word thing about the what you need bit and they sort of got the crowd involved during this part. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought that was just interesting when we go back and listen to the original version, how that sounds originally. You want me to do that? No, that was just me making a statement. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. mate. Yeah, I was um, being rhetorical. Give me, your, give me your view. Well, I haven't got a view. No, I have got a view. Yeah. I have got something to teach you or tell you. The bit about when you got to walk upon that line, I was quite interested about walking upon the line because you start thinking about other things. And so I looked up the meaning, and it means to, to behave in an authoritative way or socially accepted manner. Yeah. or to exercise self-control and keeping your boundary. So this seems like it should be, and it is, it's like a little bit rebellious in a way that you could be rebellious and that everyone's yeah. having a bloody good time. So yeah. I thought I'd share that with you. Well, it's funny when you said the word walk on that line, I think it was the word rebellious is exactly what I was thinking because mm. they're sort of saying, listen, don't have to conform. No, you know, people all day and all night, you've been told to do one thing or the other. Well, exactly. Hey, listen, you know, let yourself go, and that's the spirit of rock and roll in a way. Let yourself go. Mm, mm, mm. I know you probably don't like me talking about him, but there's a, a a movie. I can't remember what it's called. It's a mud movie with Sting in it. Do you remember that's that one? It's iconic. Uh, anyway, Quadrophenia. Oh, Quadrophenia. Phenia. Yeah. Yeah. Quadrophenia. Yeah. Say it, Hayden. Yeah. Quadrophenia. Yeah. And he, by daytime, he was the butler or the waiter or something. And yeah. over nighttime, he was the head of the gang. And that yeah. reminds me of that, you know, that sort of like you've got to walk the line during the day to get your bread and your butter and your money and whatever. But overnight, you can just let your hair down and be a rebel. And that was that was when Steam was a bit cooler before the Russian song, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Okay. All right. <laughs> Do you cool. have to mention that? Jesus. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Wow. We will now go to our friend Timmy, who is about to let rip on his section. This is what you need. I'll give you what you need. This is what you need. This is what you need. I'll give you what you need. Cotter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> at two minutes and five seconds, Michael does this thing with his hands in sync with the song where he's almost like conductor where he just goes, yes. and it's cool. Yes. Uh, and when John says, let's go, you know, uh, mm. I mean, John's a, a real star of this film clip. He does. Yeah. I, I think that's him dancing around the leather jacket, isn't it? It is. He's yeah. doing the funky chicken. Yeah, doing the funky <laughs> chicken. So 
John, uh, this is John, uh, probably two to force in the video here. Uh, but yeah, I think this is part of the video where the video actually goes into sort of more of the non-animation part, but into the mm. band part. Mm. So we've gone from this sort of two minutes where, you know, they're all sort of animated a little bit and through these sort of uh, photo uh, photographs. But this is where it cuts into the band, sort of almost playing live. And I know Mick Jagger loved this clip. He loved the song. And um, mm. he when he first saw it, he's like, wow, who's this band? Like, yeah. this is cool, you know. It and um, I know in excess influence a lot of Mick Jagger and the Stones' 90s work as well. Um, some say in a bad way. Uh, I don't think so. I think that's in a good way. But uh, anyway. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Anything that you noticed that little section B? Well, it's funny you mentioned that about that um, he was getting animated with his hands. It was in time with the music, wasn't it? It was like mm. really thrashing as if he was like yeah, yeah. thrashing something out. Um, Michael, yeah. that is. Um, and, yeah, it's like this big gang of youths that are just like got so much energy and, and, and yeah, I love – how the the saxophone so it's and it's like oh it's good we're building up again and then it's like bang <laughs> and then oh love it and we nearly forgot <laughs> you know the, the start of that little 20 seconds with tim's riff that obviously was played at wembley it's yes. it's interesting how they're able to take that riff and make it such a big thing at wembley mm. uh and i think that's an example where you know the live in excess you know, often were greater and, and more uh, expansive than the studio in excess. Yeah. Um, and that's credit to their playing and, and mm -hmm. taking a song and adding some water to it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Tim's riff there and that crunching riff uh, is fantastic. Yeah, well done, Tim. You did a good job there, mate. All right. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, well, we'll do the next second last section now. Well, at 2 minutes 31, Michael does the air drum thing again, which is great. But remember we've spoken a little bit with Mark Opitz and through the podcast series about how the band were able to sort of take a song to that crescendo B. <laughs> or crescendo. <laughs> crescendo. But, but it's a song that's going somewhere and has what I call a musical payoff, mm. where we've gone from about 2 minutes 31 there to about 3.03, and you got Kirk with that soaring sort of saxophone uh, take, the band uh, and Michael's lyric, and it's taking you to this particular peak of which the last 20 seconds it'll play out as more as a coming down on the other side. Mm -hmm. But it was just a great thing that a band that seeks to entertain does. There's so many bands out there. You mentioned Dire Straits. Now, look, there are Dire Straits fans out there, but, gee, you could they probably stayed a, a certain tempo and never get above a certain tempo through the whole concert. And In Excess would take you high, take you low. They would take you stagnantly to a high and come off down to a low. In you know, they, four minutes. Clever. Yeah. yeah. So I know. I guess that sort of in some respects, that ultimate three-and-a-half-minute sort of uh, rock pop song that does that. Um, and we just mm. definitely experienced that little crescendo there in that 30 seconds. You ready? You want more?
just a little outro there. And I think with the video clip there, we see sort of Johnny again doing his chicken moves at the end. And it sort of goes back to sort of the start there where he's sort of uh, uh, back to the camera and the animation there with the NXS logo on the back of the jacket. But again, you know, a lot of Kirk there on the way out and it just comes off that crescendo that we talked about. But it's really easy to see when I you go back to this album and it's still the standout track on the album. It's still probably a top five song of all time. But again, it's just a great example where, you know, in hindsight, we're really glad that Chris Thomas pushed hard for this one because yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. a band, you don't know what's really good. You know, you're too close to it. There are plenty of songs out there. Like the Rolling Stones had a song, their biggest hit for 50, well, for 40 years was Start Me Up. But people don't know that Start Me Up was, a, I don't know, an old you know riff and a track they had just sitting in the... Uh, uh, the archives there at the, at the recording studio. And when they went to put out, I think, Tattoo You, the album, they didn't have a lot of time to write stuff. So they went back to some old riffs mm-hmm. and some old sort of melodies that were just stored away in the archives. And that was one of them. And the producer at the time said, well, this is really good. Can you add to this? And they did. And it became one of their most sort of famous songs. So sometimes a band themselves, like Andrew being humble as he was, probably didn't realise what he had on him with uh, that riff uh, and that melody at the time. So uh, thank you, Chris Thomas, on that one, B. Oh yeah, thank you. Um, just the the lyric that and he ends with, "I'll take you, I'll take you where you want to be." Yes, Michael, <laughs> you can take me wherever you want to be, and it just makes well, you want to replay it, though, well, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, well, I must admit, this 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 um twelve inch I bought the twelve inch version of this, and I just have to keep playing it and playing it. Yeah, well, look, it's one of these tracks that uh, again, you know, one of the things we mentioned why these songs are iconic is it still sounds fresh, it still sounds yeah. vital, mm. it doesn't sound dated in any way and you could put this on to someone now with fresh ears and play it a couple of times and you know people would be hooked on it I think pretty quickly it's just really it's just really catchy yeah you know it is really catchy and um, I think it's a a song that stood the test of time and I think uh, one of the things I think Tim was asked about this maybe on our podcast you know what song represents the band's most complete song and I think yeah whether it's their best song or not people will argue but you've got every band member making a significant contribution mm. song. Michael yeah. vocally, you know, Andrew through his guitar, you've got, you know, Gary through his bass, you know, John through the drums, Kirk through the, you know, the saxophone yeah. uh, and Timmy's riff and everything there. I mean, you know, it is a complete band contribution where every person, mm-hmm. if they went and played this live on stage, everyone gets a chance to shine, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it shows through through the video as well. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think the band, once this song came out, I don't think they ever not played it live at a gig. Yeah. Uh, as we said earlier uh, at our episode yesterday with The One Thing, that song got shelved because they just had other material and mm. certain songs had to get shelved just to be able to fit them into a set list. But uh, this song never got uh, shelved at all. So uh, we think this uh, is a worthy addition uh, to Absolutely. the Absolutely, yeah, a big favourite for a lot of fans. Now, in terms of our play-out version B, uh, again, we've probably played this version with us interrupting uh, everybody's, uh, you know, uh, flow, but uh, we do want to chat about it at each step. But what we thought we would do today, like we did with the last episode, is we'll go out with a bit of a remix version of it. Now, the version I'm going to go out with is called the Cold Cut Force Mix. Now, there was a DJ called Cold Cut uh, at the time. This particular version, when the creation of the CD single or the maxi single came out, uh, it allowed bands and record companies the chance to put three or four tracks on a release as a single. So if you think back to the 45 uh, vinyl type of setup, B, it was always hard to fit uh, enough material on there because you were were restricted by space. 
So you never often saw, you know, a, a 45, uh, you know, type of single vinyl have four songs on it. So this particular uh, CD single for the song Disappear when it came out in 1990 had uh, the uh, cold cut force mix uh, as one of the B-sides or one of about three or four tracks on it. Uh, but also for the avid collectors out there, hello, Pedro, hello, David Gaunt, the All Juiced Up remix album that came out in 1994, particularly in Australia, and I think in the UK and America, there was a sort of eight, nine song remix uh, album that, that accompanied the Greatest Hits album. And this Cold Cut Force mix was on that. Uh, it goes for six minutes, 25B, so probably a push us to the 30 minutes again. Uh, <laughs> but it's a really good sort of remix version. Um, again, we want to share with listeners out there uh, versions and tracks of things you may not have heard before. Uh, B, it's a goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. Listen to the end because we've got something to announce. Special competition. <laughs>
Well, well, well. I hope you all enjoyed that and you're all dancing. Okay, we have a very cool competition happening and we will be announcing it properly on episode 97. To be eligible, you must be a patron to our show. So you can either choose from silver, gold or platinum levels and these will allow you to enter all our unique competitions. The start date for this competition will be on Friday the 4th of March, running until April the 1st. Here's a heads up. Make sure you have listened to all five episodes we've put out this week. That's episode 93 right through to 97. And I'll tell you more soon. Bye.